Christ, you do have the words of eternal life. So open our hearts that we might hear them clearly, Lord. Speak to us today. It's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Molly and I recently ate out at an Italian restaurant, and I'm sure you all have this experience on occasion where you drive through the parking lot, you realize it's full, and so you need to go and drive somewhere else to find a parking spot. So because we were on a tight schedule, uh, I hopped out of the car, I went into the restaurant uh, in order to um, prepare a way. (laughs) I told the hostess, get ready, someone important is on the way. Someone important is coming here. Put our name on your list and expect her to come. In fact, that table right there, that's the one that would be perfect. Please go get that one ready. Someone important is on the way. I'm embellishing a little bit. Um, I have to say that because after my sermons, Molly will tell me that I've been embellishing a little bit, right? Yeah, all right. But my heart heart is, is true to this, right? Yes, okay, so went to prepare the way. So in the Bible, Jesus regularly invites us to go and to follow him, but then also to go before him and prepare. So last week, we looked at Jesus' call to come and follow me, he says, to set aside the ways of the world and to lean wholly and uncompromisingly upon him. And this week, we're going to focus on being sent out, on going ahead of him. You see, Christians, as, uh, our, our lives as Christians have this sort of breathing in, receiving from the Lord Jesus, and then being sent out, breathing out. We have this ordinary rhythm to our lives, don't we? As Christians, we're called to be both followers of Jesus, but also heralds of Jesus. Now, herald isn't a, a, a word that we typically use in our vernacular these days, is it? To, to be a herald means to carry a message. And not just to carry any message, but a message that someone important is coming after me. Someone is coming uh, behind me who is important, so get ready. And the message that we have as Christians is very clear. Jesus is close. Jesus is close by. I've met him myself, and you can meet him too. Jesus offers you unshakable peace he wants, you, he wants to and has the power to remove all evil from your life, to make you clean, to hear the cries of your heart. So Jesus is close. It's a simple message, isn't it? But even though it's a simple message, the work of this, actually carrying this out, is remarkably difficult, isn't it? It's hard work. It involves paying attention It involves making plans. It involves taking spiritual risks, relational risks. And also, there's wolves out there to contend with, people who who are actively working against this message. And also, this message itself is quite serious, isn't it? This is spiritual life, and it is spiritual death. As we hear quite clearly in this text, this is a message of heaven and a message of hell. It is accepting or rejecting, or accepting or rejecting the message of Jesus leads one either to eternal bliss or eternal damnation. Now, I have to admit that when I hear these things, when I read this passage, it's overwhelming, isn't it? Especially coming after the year that we just had, it's like, oh my goodness, like one more heavy thing for us. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. The stakes are high, the dangers are real, but brothers and sisters, it's worth it. It's worth it. 
I want you to take that uh, away from the message today. So in fact, even if we were to skip ahead to this pas- in this passage to, chapter, to verse 17, the disciples come to Jesus, the 72 come back to Jesus, and they say, Lord, guess what? Even the demons obey us in your name. They're ecstatic. They're filled with joy. The trials that they suffered through, the, the, the persecution that they suffered, the opposition that they experienced was worth it. They were excited to tell the Lord Jesus what had happened. So I want to, uh, to move through this passage really quickly, and I want to point out seven joys from this passage that we have in being his herald. Uh, so if you have a pen, maybe you want to circle things or write these down. Um, I, I love listening uh, with a pen. I, I can't help myself. Like, I, I need that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a pastoral encouragement today. Bring your pens to church, I guess. Bring your Bibles, bring your pens. Uh, okay, so let's dive in. Seven, seven joys or seven graces or seven consolations that I want us to take out of this passage. So uh, there's 72 who get sent out. In the Bible, almost every single number that we encounter in the scriptures has a symbolic meaning to it. There's, there's a theological significance that comes with this. So 72, where does that come from? What's, what's the significance of this? So if we were to flip back to Genesis 10, all, there's this moment where all the nations of the earth are numbered and listed there. You want to take a guess at, at how many nations are listed? 72. You guys are so smart. Yes, there's 72 nations that are listed in Genesis chapter 10. And so what Luke is saying here is he saying that this mission, that, that this group of disciples are being sent out on, is an anticipation of the mission of the church. It's an anticipation that, that we as Christians, we as believers, are going to be sent out into all the nations of the earth. The Lord has called disciples uh, and gifted us to go out among the entire globe. This is different than the number 12. 12 is the number of those who've been delegated spiritual authority to oversee and minister to God's people. So in the Old Testament, we see that as the 12 patriarchs. In the New Testament, we see that as the 12 apostles. Uh, we who uh, uh, walk in the tradition of the historic church believe that this is the ministry of the bishops to carry on that apostolic ministry and authority. But here in this story, it's not 12, it's 72. Everyone is involved in this. This isn't a special task that is reserved for the spiritual elite or the apostles or clergy. No, Jesus sends the 72, everyone, on this global mission. And so the first joy is that this is a global adventure that we're invited into. Like, this is a global adventure. This is an international, global, expansive joy and adventure that we are invited into. How exciting. So secondly, uh, also in verse one, we see that Jesus sends the disciples out two by two. I love that. Uh, You have traveling companions when you're sent out. You are not alone when you are sent out. Jesus doesn't expect you to face wolves by yourself. He doesn't expect you to do the work alone. Uh, Back again, going uh, back to Genesis. In Noah's ark, the animals come into the ark two by two, and then they exit. Well, I think two by two. There probably was some multiplication that happened uh, on the Ark of the Animals. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but there in the Ark, the animals were sheltered by, God's, by God, and they were cared for by godly leaders. And eventually they were self- sent out to bring forth new life upon the planet. So what we can take from this 
is that we have friends for the journey. We have family. We have a community to be with. You are not alone. And if you feel alone in your spiritual walk right now, like that's not normal. Something's wrong. Please come. Embed yourself into this community. Let's, let's talk about having friends for the journey, our second joy. So thirdly, in verse 2, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for more laborers. Now, Jesus doesn't say this to paralyze us. Um, I, I hear this, and it's easy for me to think, oh my gosh, the job is so overwhelming. It's never going to be done. Uh, that's taxing. I'm always going to fail. This is terrible. No, what Jesus is saying here is, look at the opportunity that's here. And I love from our Galatians reading, uh, it, it says, we will reap. Did you hear the strength in which, in which Paul says that? We will reap. There is fruit that is going to be enjoyed here. Look at the opportunity. People are broken and lost and lonely and hungry. Now, does this mean there will be automatic success? Well, no, you only have to skip down a couple verses, and that's quite clear that that's not the case. But the third joy is that there is a harvest. There will be fruit that we experience. And in fact, just look around the room. I mean, are we ourselves not evidence of that fruit, of God at work in our lives? We are the lost who have been found. We are the sick who have been healed. We are the sinners who have been forgiven. There is a harvest, and we get to enjoy that. Praise the Lord. Fourthly, Jesus says in verse 3, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, like I said, this is a a dangerous task. This is a a dangerous world that we're being called to. Uh, One of my friends, Father Alex Wilgus, uh, who's the rector of a church in in, uh, Texas, He says this, he says that when we read this verse, we're also meant to be, Jesus wants to remind us also that he is the good shepherd. He's using shepherd language here to remind us that he is with us. He keeps an eye on us. We read elsewhere in the Bible that nothing can separate us from God, from the love of God that is, and it's not returned, then sorry, you're now depleted. No, he says your peace comes back to you. In fact, nothing will threaten your peace. That peace is not threatened by someone rejecting it. Brothers and sisters, we have a remarkable gift of peace. And I think that it is one of our crown jewels in the Christian faith that we have to offer a very anxious and scared world. We have peace. Jesus Christ has broken every chain. Nothing can imprison you, defeat you, or break you. Because of the cross of Christ, we have access to God the Father, and we can experience his peace, his supernatural Holy Spirit peace dwelling within us. This is more than just having a calm presence, although sometimes that might be the fruit of this peace. No, it's having a quiet confidence in God's abiding presence. Uh, Last, I think it was, yes, last week, the weeks are going by very quickly. Uh, there was a couple in our church who got married, Megan and Bamba. Um, Bamba's father was here. Uh, he's, uh, 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 I mean this kindly, like he's a large, strong man. And when he spoke, like the entire room kind of shook. And the way that he greeted the congregation in a thick African accent, he said, shalom. Well, he was very loud. And when he said shalom, I believed it. Like I felt <laughs> like I was at peace. And it was just this fatherly strength that just brought us this sweet hush to the room. That's the the, the peace that we have access to. God's peace is not dependent on whether or not people respond to it. No, we have this 
secure, strong peace that is absolutely unshakable. So sixth, in verse nine, Jesus commands us to heal the sick. And then later we hear that the disciples were able to make the the evil spirits disperse and flee. So as the 72 went among all of these villages, they multiplied the presence of Jesus. They multiplied Jesus's ministry. So the sixth joy is this, that Jesus gives us the power to heal. Now, does that mean that miracles are always guaranteed? No, we know from reality that that's not the case. But they do happen. They do happen, and we should go to the Lord and ask for them. Ask him to heal. Ask him to cleanse these oppressive spirits that have been bothering us. It's one of the reasons why you have prayer ministers available in the back after, uh, during communion, is so that you can go and you can take the burdens, the things that are oppressing you, the things that are bothering you, you can take those to the prayer ministers. Or myself, you know, I would love to pray with you about these things. We should be eager to ask for the Lord's intervention. Now, that being said, the Lord has, has certainly promised his people that he would heal us from sin, that he would cause demons to flee in his sacraments of baptism and Eucharist. There we're able to experience the Lord's healing and a foretaste of that great day in which all evil will be permanently eradicated from this cosmos. So that is the sixth joy. So this is all hard work, isn't it? But the Lord gives us so many things to experience and to take joy in. Now, the message, this proclamation that he gives us, there's actually like two halves to it if you look at this passage. The first part is we're supposed to declare peace as we go into people's homes and as we interact with people, right? But then there's also the other message of the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. And so I have two charges for you this week, two, two challenges for you, two things that I would encourage you to do. So first is to ask yourself, how can you put this message into your own words? You know, peace be with you. The kingdom of God is near. You know, how can you put that in your own words? Because I, I get it. We don't really walk around these days in the grocery store or whatever telling people the kingdom of God is near. Um, dangerous things sometimes happen, I guess. People would probably turn their heads at you if you were to say that. But maybe there's another way that we could phrase it that carries similar significance to it. Maybe you could tell someone, God is closer than you think. Maybe you could say to someone, he has something for you here and now. Maybe you could say the love of God is at work in your life right now. So the, the trick is not to overthink this. And so then the second charge is who in your life needs to hear this right now? Could you share that with them this week? Could you find time to pick up the phone or to ask them out to coffee and just share this simple word with them right now? Who in your life needs to know that God is close that he is at hand? Who needs to hear that there is divine peace which passes all understanding that they can experience? Who needs to know that that peace which comes from heaven can actually dwell in your heart as a balm, as an answer to all the chaotic things that are going on in this world? Who needs to hear that? And keep in mind, it's not up to you to manage how they respond. The thing that the disciples are being asked to share here is peace and God's nearness. They're not supposed to walk around and judge and condemn. That's up to the Lord. They're supposed to declare peace and nearness. So with that in mind, your friend might not receive it. Jesus knows that, and he holds that. 
And he's very clear in this passage. He says, that's not on you. He says, the one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. Now, that doesn't mean that it's heartbreaking when a friend rejects God's invitation. It absolutely is. It causes us to lose sleep. It causes us to shed tears. But this does mean that you don't have to carry the guilt of that. Jesus says, it's on me. Give that to me. And that brings me to the seventh joy. Those of you who are counting were probably like, ah, oh, you stopped at six. Here's number seven for you. <laughs> if you have, or the, the seventh joy is, is quite simple. It's that your name is written in heaven. That's what Jesus says at the end of this passage. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you've answered the call to follow him, there is a book in the heavenlies that has your name written in it. And if you're here and you haven't made that decision, if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to his invitation, know that these joys are available to you as well. By the power of the cross, Jesus takes away our shame, our guilt, the things that we struggle with, and he gives you peace. He fills you with his peace. He places you in a family of joy who are able to celebrate together, and he gives you a purpose to share that message with others that God is near. So as I said earlier, in a few moments, uh, we're, we're gonna come to the table, we're gonna receive communion from the Lord. We're going to be nourished by his presence. The good shepherd is going to nourish us. He is near to us. And if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, um, please tell the prayer ministers that are in the back. Or after the service, come and talk to me. Or if if that's weird or whatever, then go and, and talk to someone who's a blue lanyard on. We would love to talk with you about that, what it means to follow Jesus. We would love to pray with you. Uh, so with that in mind, let us now pray with one another. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the good shepherd. You are the son of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you for calling us to follow you. And Lord, for asking us to partake in this great adventure, to share stories of your peace and your nearness with a very anxious world who thinks that you are far away. Lord, help us to be your heralds, to be your ambassadors of your peace to those who need it. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.